front and, and people were packed in, standing at the back, standing outside, seated on the porch. Some of them brought stadium chairs that they knew they was going to sit outside. And off the platform, there's another door, and there's probably, I'd say, 10 or 15 out front, and another 10 or 12 off the platform. So there's probably close to 80, 90 people. It was so sweltering hot in that church. But I'm going to tell you, people stayed right there to hear the word. They sat right there, and it was just, just running. They were just like hungry people sitting down to a meal. Those people ate the word of God. And the God moved and healed and delivered. And the pastor uh, come to me and he said, I want you to start coming once a month. He said, and work with us up here. And he said, I'm even looking at a bigger building. He said, every time I tell, uh, get it announced that you're coming, he said, my phone starts ringing. And he said, it'll ring off the hook. He said, people won't know when you're going to be there. And I mean... Uh, the church was full last night. They just kept coming down the driveway and coming down the driveway and coming down. It, it was just unbelievable, the hunger. And God moved in so many miracles and deliverance come in people's lives. And one lady come last night and she brought her two boys up. One of them, I'm just eight or nine, one of them about six, having real bad stomach trouble. And I prayed for him. And, and when I took my hands off him, tears were just rolling down his cheeks. And before we even got back to Alabama last night, she texted me on my cell phone and she said, my little men are going through the house praying and praising God. She said, thanking God for what he done tonight. And she said, I am one happy mama. <laughs> That's exactly what she texted. And people just received. I mean, they really received. They're hungry. I've never seen a hunger in this country in a long, long time like God has placed in them people up there. And, and they don't want just good church. They want the Word. They want the Word. And I mean, there was people in my meetings I hadn't seen since as kids. And God touched their lives last night. God truly touched their lives. And the two ladies my wife was talking to after service uh, one of them asked her, said, well, where's your church at? She told her, she said, well, I live in Cedartown. She said, I drive all the way up here to come to church. She said, we'll be at your church on Saturday night. So God put it in her spirit. They're wanting to come somewhere where the word can be preached to them, where healings and miracles and deliverance is happening. There, people are hungry for the reality of God, children. They're hungry for the real things in God. And it's time, and that's what God is conditioning all of us here for. God's conditioning every one of you to have a word and deliverance in your life because people out there, they're looking for something. They're looking for something that can help them, and they can't find it. They can't find it because the church is trying to give it to them in a program. It's trying to give it to them in doctrine. It's trying to give it to them in song and praise. And there's nothing wrong with praise and worship. When it's in the Spirit of God, it's good. But people have got to have the Word that they can build on. And I believe God's really going to establish something in the Word today. Because I'm going to tell you, I went home and I got in prayer and study. And I spent almost every day in prayer and study, hours a day. And me and my wife talked for hours about the Word of God. 
And God was waking me up at 3 and 3.30 in the morning. And I was sitting up studying two and three hours. I might go lay down for an hour or two and get back up and just get in the Word and study. I, I, I can tell you men, there's going to be an act of God in this men's retreat. There's going to be an act of God that's going to put something in you if you want to serve God. There is something God is preparing us for a visitation. Amen. God's preparing us for a visitation. And it was just uh, so good. There was, there was one lady last night, and she'd come up. Uh, she'd probably in her 70s, had crippling arthritis. I mean, just hurt. And, you know, she sat back there and listened. And what so amazed me is people would sit back there, and they would just, that, that's the kind of look they had on their face. They're just listening, just amazed. And I preached last night on the Spirit of God is coming home. And, and I talked to them about what they had in God and showed them by their lives. They don't have, we don't have what we need in God. We are not bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit that we need to bring, be bringing forth. No, we're not. We are not manifesting Christ. Therefore, there is a, uh, there is a preparation for me and you to prepare for the Spirit of God to come home. This is God's home. This is His house. This is His temple. And He wants things set in order to bring His Spirit. It's like that scripture Christopher read a while ago that they said in the Old Testament, we are preparing God a habitation. That's what we're doing. In Ephesians it said that we might make or prepare a fit habitation of God through the Spirit. We're getting him a house ready to return, not in part, but in the fullness. There's a fullness of God coming in. Amen. And until we're prepared, and that's what I'm going to deal with this morning, and I believe God's fixing to open our eyes to some scriptures. Man, I got to study the other morning, and my wife was in the living room reading. I was in the dining room studying. And I got, we got talking back more. I said, listen to this. And she said, well, listen to this. I said, well, listen to this. She said, well, listen to this. And I mean, the word just started coming together. Why? It's God's time. God's ready. And what I, the preaching today is by no means meant to condemn anybody or make anybody feel bad. I've done things wrong. You've done things wrong. We've all done things wrong, whether you want to admit it or not. We've all walked in the knowledge that we've had. We've served God in the knowledge that we had, but now there's a more perfect knowledge being revealed. There's a more complete knowledge being revealed, and, and God's wanting to take us into a greater depth of His Word and His Spirit. But something I want to deal with has been on my spirit for a long time, for several weeks now, and I'm going to tell you something. This generation, and it ain't just young people, man. I mean, people in this generation are caught up in this old vampire werewolf thing. Werewolf thing. And I'm going to tell you something. You're talking about a demon out of hell. You're talking about a perverted, unclean spirit. This thing they got on TV, whatever that series is, uh, I think they call it Twilight or something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That is the most perverted, unclean, unholy ungodly abomination. And I'm going to tell you something. You better leave that spirit alone. If you're watching this mess, you better get it out of your home. I, I don't know if they got CDs or DVDs. You better get this because the Word speaks against it. And I'm fixing to deal with it out of, I believe it's Leviticus 17. 
I'm fixing to give y'all scripture on this. And I noticed when I, uh, I had looked up some scripture and studied, and I had to email from one computer to the other because it didn't have a printer on that. But when I opened uh, my webpage this morning, it talked about people drinking blood. That's what it talked about, people drinking blood. It said this spirit, this thing is more prevalent than what you think. But I'm going to show y'all what the Word of God says in Leviticus 17. Because I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost is now going to deal with things. What, what y'all, and, and I was listening to a tape by, uh, a CD by Sister Daniels. And she had a lady come to her church, she said she, she had never met the lady before, but God dealt with her to let her come. And said that lady preached, and man, she got down. I mean, she got down. And she stood up and told the people after the service, she said, you think this lady got in your business this morning? She said, I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost is bringing out and the way God set in order. Said, this lady didn't even touch your business to what the Holy Ghost is fixing to set in order. Said, you talking about God fixing getting your business. God fixing getting your business. Why? He ain't pleased with what's going on in his people and in the house of God. There's too much junk. I might not have gotten any amens, but that's all right. From Leviticus 17 and verse 10. Now, this ain't not, this not what I'm going to preach on. I just need to deal with this. Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the stranger that sojourneth among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. If you go down to verse 14, it says, For the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, You shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof, and whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. That's about as plain as it gets. Amen. So if you caught up in this old werewolf, vampire, twilight thing, and don't hand me that, oh, I watch it for the romance. I've heard people say that. Oh, I watch it for the love story. You can find love stories in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. You can find love stories out there that don't involve perversion and uncleanness. Is that right? Is that all right? Is that all right? The Holy Ghost deals with things today. And I believe the Holy Ghost fixing to deal with a whole lot more things. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you what, I feel like what the Lord led my son into this morning just laying a foundation for stuff. But go with me to Joel, the second chapter. It's where we're going to start. And I do, I feel like God's going to give us a great service. And you men and women, start fasting and praying for the men's meeting. Start asking God to condition our hearts and get us ready. 
Because, I mean, the enemy's going to try to hinder. Uh, I don't know if anybody told y'all what happened to us last night. But, I mean, the devil come within a hair. I mean, a hair of putting us in a head-on collision. We were going down Jamestown Road at the foot of the mountain over going toward Menlo. And we were riding down the road. And this man in a pickup truck just started drifting over the line. And just kept drifting and drifting and drifting. And I thought maybe it's somebody talking on a cell phone or something. So I laid down on the horn and started flashing the lights, put my foot on the brake and started slowing down. We had just crossed a bridge where there was a guardrail. We had nowhere to go. But I went all the way off of the road. All the way as far on the shoulder of the road. We, and when that man passed us, he looked like he was 80 or 90 years old. His eyes were wide open and fixed. He never saw us. But when we went by him just inches, he was fully in our lane. And when I went by him, I looked, and that man rode five or 600 to 1,000 feet in our lane before he ever started drifting back over to the other side. Never even saw us. But if it hadn't been for the hand of God, he would have hit us head on. And God stood up for us. God stood up for us. And all of us immediately begin to shout and praise and thank God for His mercy because God stood up for us. The devil didn't want that service last night. He didn't want this word. The devil does not want what God's doing to put God's house and God's people back in order. He don't want it. You know why? When everything comes in order in my life and your life and in the church, God will fill us with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. He'll fill us with His fullness. You say, well, Brother Matter, I got... No, you don't. You don't have the fullness. If you did, you'd be like Jesus. There ain't none of us like Jesus. No, we're not. We ain't like Him. You can say what you want to do. I can stand up here all day and tell you I'm six foot seven and weigh 400 pounds. But it ain't going to make me six foot seven and weigh 400 pounds. Don't care what you say. If he's in you, you're going to be manifesting him. You're going to be revealing him. You're going to be doing what he does. You're going to be living like he lived. You're going to have the nature he had. Are y'all with me? Joel, the second chapter, 23rd verse. I know these are familiar scriptures, but I want you to listen because God has broke these down different to me. Be ye glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately and will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Now listen to this. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that had dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else, 
And my people shall never be ashamed. Now I'm going to stop right there. And I want y'all to look at the first few words of verse 28. Look at the words. Somebody read it for me. Sister Pat, what does it say right there in verse first few words of verse 28? Right there. And it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After the restoration. After that God has restored back to us what has been stripped away. After God has restored. Y'all got me too low. After God has restored what has been taken away from us, put the house and the church and our lives back in order, then he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Everybody's trying to get God to pour out his fullness and a greater measure of the Holy Ghost, and it can't come because there's too much out of order. It can't come. Am I making sense to you? God is setting this thing in order. And he said, and it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After the restoration. Got your attention, didn't I? Hallelujah. See, y'all think all the Holy Ghost is just something comes on you and you shout and talk in tongues. No, sir, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of truth. He said He will lead and guide you into all truth. Amen. When He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will reprove sin. And it don't matter what's in your life that's sin. It don't matter if it's hidden iniquity, sin, unforgiveness, sin, bitterness, sin, envy, sin, adultery, fornication. God is going to convict you of that. And He is going to get that out of your spirit. Y'all making me strain. Give me some volume. God is going to get this out of our spirit because that's what the Holy Ghost does. Then He teaches you how to serve Him. He teaches you to set your life in order. He teaches you to set situations and circumstances that have been out of order, put them back in order. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate the Lord today. Y'all just bear with me. You got way too loud on the monitors. Malachi, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Jesus. That sounds good right there. Maybe down just there. Are y'all with me in the fourth chapter of Malachi? We'll start at the very first verse. For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble under, and the day shall be on all that do wickedly shall be stubble and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch God's fixing to deal with wickedness you hear me God is now, as God deals with his people to set his house in order God is going to deal with wickedness in this generation the, the, the move of God and the judgment of God on the wicked is going to go hand in hand this is the great and terrible day of the Lord that we are entering into we are moving into the great and terrible day of the Lord. And the uh, Joel said that in the first month, I don't know when the first month is, but in that first month, the Holy Ghost is going to be begin to be poured out. I'm not telling you we're not going to do without uh, greater outpourings and greater measures. We will have greater outpourings and greater measures, but until everything is in God's order, the fullness of God can't come. It can't come, children. And God, as we prepare, I believe will give us greater measure of the Holy Ghost. I believe He will give us greater wisdom and greater knowledge to set more things in order in our life. 
But we have got to, uh, we have got to start purging things out of us. Is this too loud out here? It's ringing. Y'all cut, cut me down on the house speakers a little bit. Like I said, this new mic, we're just having to work with it. Okay. Verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded you in Oreb for all Israel with statutes and judgments. Verse 5, this is very key right here. I'm going to deal with this a lot today. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, I want you to go with me. I, I believe it's Matthew. Hang on. Hallelujah. i got to get my scripture. Matthew 11 and 11. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to come back and try to tie all this together. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Matthew 11 and 11. Verily I say unto you, them that are born of women... There hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Y'all see that? Everything that was prophesied in that Old Testament was to bring in the kingdom of God. It was to bring it in. They prophesied until John. But from John the Baptist forward, the kingdom of heaven is revealed. It's revealed. God does no longer rule His people by the prophets, and the prophets no longer lead God's people. But a five-fold ministry is now being raised up. That's the reason you cannot... Say, well, I just need Brother Metter, or I just need Brother Patterson, or I just need Sister Daniels. No, you need those five ministries. You need that apostle, that prophet, that evangelist, that pastor, that teacher, because every ministry has a word. It has a revelation. It has an anointing. It has something that will affect different areas in your life. What I can't do, another minister can. What that minister can't do, another one can. It takes the five-fold ministry. Amen? God didn't intend for the New Testament church to be led by the prophets. He didn't intend for it to be led by one ministry. He said the five-fold ministry is given for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the saints. Amen? God wants to perfect and complete us. He wants to bring us into what He has for us. So one ministry would be like uh, eating chicken every day and that's all you eat. You're going to be out of balance naturally and you pretty soon you're going to get tired of it. But a five-fold ministry prepares a spiritual meal that you're balanced on every hand. Amen? Making sense to you? Okay. 
For all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias or Elijah, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Go to Matthew 17. When you get there, say amen. Verse 10. Matthew 17 and 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then, saith the scribes, that Elias or Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall the, also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake to them of John the Baptist. John came and set in order the things that had to be set in order for that day. He prepared the people's hearts. What was John cry? Prepare ye the way of the Lord, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, they were going to be exposed to the kingdom of God for the first time. They were going to be exposed to the fullness of God living in man for the first time. But this was the beginning of the kingdom, not the end. This was the beginning of the work of God. Are y'all with me? This was the beginning. We are the ending of the kingdom. We will... You will see the fullness of God one more time revealed in mortal flesh like it was in Jesus. This is what God is preparing us for. This is what God is preparing us for. Now I want you to go to Luke, the uh, first chapter, and I'm going to put this in. Then I'm going to see if I can start pulling all this together. I feel like God has really talked to me. And I felt like a lot of this was going to come out in the retreat, and it will But we need a foundation before we go in this retreat. This church needs a foundation. Amen. As to what God is doing. Uh, Luke 1 and 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Now y'all hang with me on this 16th and 17th verse. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah or Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Y'all see that? That people had to be ready. Now, what God began to deal with me is the spirit of Elijah. Everybody thinks it's just going to be great miracles. Everybody thinks it's just going to be a, a man running around here killing people. Shutting up the heavens. The spirit and the anointing of Elijah is to restore. It is to reconcile men's hearts back to God. It is to put you in the place 
that God can deal with you and make you a fit habitation of God by His Spirit. It takes the apostle and the prophets. Go with me to Ephesians 2. Let me put this scripture in here. I know where it is. I don't have it marked. But I want to put it in here because I was trying to quote it a while ago. It's Ephesians, the second chapter. It's the last couple of verses. Hang on, I'll get there. I believe it's two. Yes, verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, you are the building, you are the building, in whom all the building fitly framed together, Groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So God is saying right there, He's building us. He's putting us together. But every one of you have a place. You hear me? Every one of you have a place. If you're a tube of four that goes in the wall, you ain't a tube of ten that goes in the ceiling or the floor. You've got to have your place. If you're a four by eight sheet of plywood or OSB that goes on the floor, then you're not a piece of sheetrock that goes on the wall. You've got to find your place. You've got to find your place and you've got to get subject to what God is trying to work in us to say, Lord, help me find my place. Not, well, I'm mad that Christopher is only three years old in the Lord and he getting do things I ain't never thought about doing. That's the place God's put him in. He was talking to me last night on the phone. We was coming in and I called him and was talking to him about the Scripture and he was expounding some of the things God revealed to him. And I said, you ain't planning on preaching that in Sunday school, are you, tomorrow? He said, well, I said, son, I said, remember this, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, son. <laughs> Keep it simple. I said, God has privileged you to have an insight to the Word that people don't have. God has privileged you. I said, you are your father's son. God has privileged me, and I'm not boasting, but God has given me an insight on the Word that a lot of people don't understand and will never understand why they try to figure it out in the carnal mind. You will never figure God out in the carnal mind. And as long as you're one of these that you're expecting God to do what you want Him to right now, you will never see the revealing of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand before the sons of God ministry can come? Before we can put on that mind and nature and characteristics of Christ, things have to be set in order in your home. They've got to be set in order in the church. They've got to be set in order in the ministry. And the fivefold ministry has to come on the scene. So what do we do, Brother Metter? Just give up and quit? No, we occupy till He comes. We labor till He comes. We keep pressing for God to reveal Himself in us till He gets ready to take us there. Jesus did not just sit down and stop before His ministry was ever birthed. What did the Bible say? The child grew and waxed strong in the Spirit. 
Then in another place it says he grew in stature. That means maturity of years. He grew in wisdom. He grew in favor with God and man. He found favor. He found acceptability with God and man. Did he just sit down and say, well, I'm waiting on my ministry? No, he grew. He grew. And see, the Spirit of God, when you're under the right leadership, it just does not teach you spiritual things. It teaches you natural responsibilities. It teaches you natural accountability. There's people today that think all they got to do is jump up and shout and talk in tongues and lay hands on people and prophesy to them and that everything's in order with God. No, it's not. There are things you got to set in order in your life. Amen. There are things that have to be restored. Now, I want to bring this out because God really put this in my spirit. I'm going back to Malachi 4. And if this ain't helping you, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, some of you may have knowledge that I ain't acquired yet. But I can see what God's doing and where God's taking us. Are y'all with me in, in Malachi 4? Second verse. But unto you that fear, to say my name or his name, I walked away. But unto you that fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. I have preached this. Some of you have preached this. You've read this. And you look at this as physical, natural healing. The Lord told me this is not just physical, natural healing. This is the healing of the body. This is the healing of the body of Christ. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in His wings. Let me tell you something. The devil has messed up the body. The devil has messed up the home. Everything is out of order in the home. It's out of order in the church. The ministry is out of order. So what are you saying, Brother Matter? Do we just chunk it all? No, we occupy, we fight, we fast, we pray. We wait for God to fix it. And I'm telling you, God is fixing it. God is setting His house in order. And He is beginning to make us a fit habitation of God through the Spirit. He is putting this building together. And you ain't going to fit but one place. Well, Brother Metter, I want your job. You want me to take my shoes off and give them to you? I used to get so tickled at my daddy. Yeah, I know how I'd preach to him. I said, yeah, you get up there and preach in anger. You get up there and preach in hardness. You get up there and do what? You bust everybody's heart. And I said, in about three months, you wouldn't have nobody to preach to. Let me bring something in right here. I'm having to pay. And I ain't even told my wife this. I'm having to pay for mistakes that I made with my kids in anger. I'm having to pay. Because I'm going to tell you something, Brother Harlan. There's a big difference between correcting your kids in anger and correcting your kids in love and admonition. You can make a kid fear you because you can beat the daylights out of them. But they will not respect you. You can beat the daylights out of a kid and they will fear it's your very presence. But will they respect you and love you? No. But if you set a godly example 
if you teach those kids prayer and you edify them through the Word, then they will love and respect you and be obedient to you because they love and respect you. And if you do have to spank them, if you do have to physically correct them, you do it not in anger. The Bible says provoke not your child to wrath. And I'm having to pay. Not that I was mean, but I've got a couple of times in my life that I got angry and I didn't pray through over it before I corrected my kids. And I'm having to lay before the Lord and weep and beg God's forgiveness to give me the wisdom to set things in order with my girls. I'm about to get things on an even till with my son because he's beginning to understand some things now. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. And this is where the Lord said, I, just before that great and terrible day of the Lord, I, I shall send you Elijah the prophet, I, and he shall turn the hearts I, of the fathers to the children, I, and the hearts of the children I, back to the fathers. I, we do not have our children's hearts. I, we do not have our children's heart. I, Brother Jamie, your daddy did not have your heart. I, you feared him, but he didn't have your heart. I, a lot of us don't have uh, our children's hearts. Uh, we don't know how to correct them uh, in godly fear and admonition. Uh, we rule as tyrants. Uh, we rule with an iron fist. Uh, but now we're going to rule with the love of God uh, because the spirit uh, of Elijah is coming uh, to turn this thing. He's coming to turn this thing. And I'm having to pray diligently. Because I let my own stupid flesh get angry. Was I like that all the time? No. Because I learned the Spirit of God rebuked me. And my kids disobeyed. I'd go pray. <laughs> and I'd make them sit up there and wait. <laughs> and they'll tell you, I'd rather Dad just come beat me. And he had just come in there and talk to me. <laughs> See, God is beginning to teach me. We need this restoration. Is physically spanking your kids wrong? No, not when it's done in the right manner. Not when it's done, there's nothing wrong with correction that's done in a right manner. That's done in a right spirit. But if you do it in your anger, you are breaking the word of God. And if you've done it in your anger, you need to go back to repent to God. You need to go back and repent to your children, which is what I'm fixing to do. And tell them daddy was wrong. I wasn't wrong in correcting you. I was wrong in the spirit. I corrected you in. Why? I see the spirit of Elijah coming to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children back to the fathers because this generation has got to have some leadership. I don't want to raise my kids. and my, my daddy was a good man. But he was raised under a father that beat the daylights out of him. My mama is a great woman. But her daddy would whip her and her brothers with anything he put his hands on. It didn't make no difference if it's a hairbrush, a shoe, a belt, whatever it was. She'll tell you. Her daddy would wear her out with anything if he got angry. 
My God, it's time to get this anger out of our spirit. It's time, Brother Jamie. I, I know how your daddy done you. My daddy done me that way. But my daddy also was a godly man. He prayed and fasted. I had a respect for him. But there's things in my life that I don't want to raise my kids and there's nothing I can do now but I can sure raise my grandkids uh, and help my grandkids uh. brother Jamie you may have kids brother John sister Savannah y'all may have kids uh, but you do not want to raise them uh, the way some of you was raised why? it's out of order it's out of order it's out of order can anybody agree with what I'm saying? Can anybody agree with what I'm saying? And he said, I will send the spirit of Elijah and restore. What is he going to restore? This love. Because my God, we've lost this generation. Can anybody tell me we've not lost these teenagers? Can anybody tell me we've not lost these young people? I made the statement. And I see kids rebellious. I've made the statement. Boy, I'd beat you like a red-headed stepchild. I mean, I would beat them. Some of them, they need a good whipping. But they need it in the love of God. They need it in the right spirit. But they need it out of a parent that they see praying, studying the Word, leading their house in order, leading their house in love and godly admonition and setting an example. And we do not have this. But I'm telling you, God is breaking this chain. You mean? hear me God is breaking this thing down we're not going to birth another generation that we can't touch by the spirit of God we're not going to bring it forth this is the very reason where Jason if you'll listen to me son I'll lead you into the working of the Holy Ghost I'll lead you into godly fear and admonition I'll teach you brothers to pray I'll teach you to be led by the spirit of God you will have the right spirit are you listening to me? And you will learn what to do and what not to do. Because I didn't know how to raise my kids. I had a call of God on my life. And all I heard was go in souls, go in souls, go in souls, go in souls, go in souls. And I did. Church was full of people. Kids. Half a dozen or so. Six and seven years old is in my meetings. They said Brother Meadow was a man of prayer. Sister LaDana sat out here Friday night and she said, I, I got to know Brother Meadow when I was 15 or 14. She said, when I was 16, she said, my natural daddy died. She said, I had nobody. I had nobody. And said, I was at a friend's house in Haleyville, Alabama, and Brother Meadow come by and prayed with me. Right after my daddy died, said he took a piece of paper out of his pocket and said, here's my cell phone number, here's my home phone number. If you need me, call me. She said, I thought at first he was just talking because that's what everybody says. But she said, when I called him, he would go to prayer with me. He would give me godly counsel. Said he would tell me what to do by the Spirit of God. And said he'd become my daddy in the natural and become my daddy in the Spirit. And I've got those testimonies everywhere. What is it? God is taking us out of what the devil has done to destroy the home and destroy the church and he is restoring back what we need to build up the family and the house of God we got to have it we got to have it I mean 
This junk y'all see on TV, this feminine, this feminist movement has done everything it could to tear down the authority of a man. Don't you know the Bible said that a woman shall not usurp the authority of a man? It ain't just talking about in the house of God. It ain't just talking about the house of God. But the way my son was teaching and the way God was having him bring it out, when a man truly submits himself to Christ, Christ is his head. He will follow Christ. And that wife will have no problem submitting to that leadership of God in the home. She will reverently and respectfully do it because that man ain't standing up there like a caveman. I'm the head of this house and you're going to do what I say. That's the worst spirit you men can get on you. But if you will godly submit yourself, if you will submit yourself to God, Holy, submit yourself. What does the Bible say? Submit yourself wholly unto the Lord and resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you have got a wife that loves God and you love her as Christ loves the church, you respect her, you compliment her, you build her up in edifying, you, you, uh, you treat her uh, with love and kindness and tenderness, uh, cause that's what God give her to you for. Uh, she's there to walk beside you to be a helpmate. She ain't there for you to abuse. She ain't there for you to Get mad and not talk to her for four or five days. How immature. I've seen people do it. I've had people come to me and counsel. My husband ain't spoken to me in three or four days. My wife ain't talked to me in a week. I'm glad I ain't in your relationship. <laughs> Said you, you and your wife ever get upset at either? Yeah, we're going to different ends of the house. We get our hearts and minds on God and we pray. And we'll come back to one another. And I say, look, is she still upset? She said, leave me alone. I'll go back and pray some more. <laughs> and I'll say, God, you stir her up to pray. But we don't walk around with spirits for four, five, six hours, usually 30, 45 minutes if there is upset. And we don't hardly have upset. I know some of y'all can't believe that, but we hardly have upsetness, do we? We just don't have it. We just do not have it. We've never had it in our marriage. Just a few times we've got upset at each other. And we did have to go different ends of the house. But all marriages have problems. All marriages have problems from time to time. But by the Spirit of God, you can get things in order. Amen? Do y'all not see what the enemy has done to the home? The feminists right now are mad that the Bible calls God He. They do. They want God to have a feminine nature. Have y'all not seen this? The feminists want God to be referred to as a she. Yeah, make him, make him gender neutral. I said, look, I was talking to somebody at one time, and this guy was studying in college. He was taking theology. And he said, I know God's a he. He said, but I can't find the she. I said, the she's the church. The she's the bride of Christ. The she is what God is going to join himself to that's going to produce the sons of God. Man, it's like a light bulb went off in that man's head. We sit there and talk for an hour and a half. 
It down there in the huddle house in Carrollton, Sister Marvine. You worked there. And that young man come in when I was there in revival back in the 70s. He come in, sat down and talked to me. I was fasting and seeking God. I used to go in the huddle house where Sister Marvine worked as a waitress. And she knew I was there. And if I didn't order anything to eat, she knew I was probably fasting. Sometimes she'd bring me a, a small glass of orange juice or I'd drink a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And I sat there and talked to that young man for probably an hour and a half. And he said, man, he said, I'd like to get you to come to my theology class. He said, explain this to my professor. I said, I don't think your professor would receive what I got to say. He said, man, I ain't never heard nobody make perfect sense of the Word of God like you making perfect sense of the Word of God and explain the female part of God. I said, it's the church. It's the bride. It's what Brother Harlan He said, Brother Harlan taught a great word on the bride of Christ last night. But do y'all understand the spirit of Elijah is restoring. It is restoring. You hear me? It is reconciling. It is reconciling. Listen to this. We're going down with these scriptures. I'm still in Malachi 4. Behold, in verse 5. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet, not the man, the spirit, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn. That word right there, turn. This is what it means in the original Greek. Turn. Hang on, let me find it. I got it here. Or I thought I did. Turn, here it is. To turn back, returning to the starting point, come home again, recover, restore, retrieve. So God is trying to turn us back to the starting point where man was in relationship with God, where Adam was. Man was in relationship with God. Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. She let the devil deceive her. But the Bible said Adam was not deceived. But he followed the leadership of what his wife told him. And when he did, he got out of order with God. He acted in disobedience and rebellion to what God had said. And when it did, it broke that relationship. It broke that relationship. For God to bring back the fullness of God, He's got to turn our hearts. He's got to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. Because children aren't being reared now. They're not being taught. The Bible says train up a child in the way it should go. And when it is old, it shall not depart from it. It don't mean bring them to church and turn them loose. It means you as a mama and a daddy, especially you as a father and a husband, the rearing of your child, their edifying of the things of God, of prayer, of reading the Word, it is your responsibility. It's not the wife's responsibility. It's your responsibility. You have also have a responsibility to teach your wife the things of God. As God sets them in order in your spirit, is anybody with me? Can anybody see how out of order the home is now? You say, well, Brother Matter, I didn't have a mom and daddy. 
I, I know some of you didn't. I know some of you. But that doesn't stop you now from letting the Spirit of God begin to turn your heart back to the things of God. That does not stop you now. You hear me? Does not stop you now. Well, my husband ain't never made decisions. Nobody's going to. By the Spirit of God, if he comes into what he has in God, he's going to make the decisions. He's going to make the financial decisions. He's going to make the decisions about the house. Y'all can make them together. There's never been a major financial decision that's been made in my home. Me and my wife can sit down and talk about it and pray about it. Never has been. I've never went and spent money. I'm talking about big money. That I did not talk to her about it first. And I did kind of surprise her when we got our first new car. I took her over and let her look at it. And asked her if she liked it. And she drove it. She picked out the one she wanted. And we talked about buying it. And about three hours later, I went and got her and brought her over and let her drive it home. But we did talk about it. But I made the decision. Amen. But the feminist movement today has so undermined the authority of the daddy. Has so taken the authority and the father figure out of the home till it's also affected the church. I mean, women for the last 30 or 40 years have been in the church three to one compared to men. It ain't the husbands and the fathers that went to church. It's the husbands and fathers that sat home in front of the television, played video games and watched pornography, and sent the mothers and kids to church. It's the truth anyhow, whether you want to receive it or not. It's the truth anyhow. Why you going to church? I don't feel like going. No, your flesh wants you to do something else. And we've been without leadership. Pastors have not addressed things from the pulpit that needed to be addressed. They have not addressed them. Well, you got a pastor now, and I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, you just might as well get ready. I'm fixing to get in your business. <laughs> I'm fixing to get in some of your business. Why? If it's out of order according to that word, God fixing to set it in order. You say, well, don't come talking to me and trying to tell me what to do. God ain't going to fool with your rebellious spirit. God's looking for somebody that's hungry, that can receive instruction, that can be uh, corrected and given instruction and edified. God ain't looking for somebody, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. <laughs> that's not what God's looking for. Why? You're unteachable. You cannot be edified. You cannot be instructed without your flesh getting mad. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what the Spirit of God tells And I'm telling you, the Lord told me that this spirit of Elijah is going to restore the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Because as much as I sought God and fasted and prayed and went out there and won souls, I did not know how to be a husband and a father. I did not.